the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Taxpayer expense. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. And these are the days. 
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We have entered into the terrible, the great and terrible day of the Lord. A time of earthquakes, a time of war, of famine, of financial destruction, a time of riots and anarchy, a time of murder. We have entered into a time of great darkness. This great and terrible day of the Lord in Scripture is not just simply a 24-hour period. It is a transition time from the kingdom of wickedness, of men and demons. It is a transition from that kingdom to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus Christ seems very small to the world, only because he's been very silent, and the church has been very laid back. The church has been utterly without courage or backbone in America. And so it seems that the church is simply an expression of our social discourse. That's all about to change. Dana Coverstone has urged us to pray for a backbone for the pastors and the churches of America. To pray that all corruption would be exposed and that a great harvest would be brought in for the kingdom of God. We are in that great and terrible day. We have entered into that time. Already, prophetic voices are speaking out in the Christian church, saying that a secret rapture will happen sometime in October. A man I have a great deal of Respect for his scientific prowess. He says, We are looking every day for the secret rapture. Now, will there be a secret rapture? I don't know. I can argue both ways. But one thing I know is that this is going to be and is already becoming a time of great turmoil and distress and fear as famine stalks the land. Please, I don't mean to be gloom and doom because the great and terrible day of the Lord ends in great victory for Jesus and for his people. But some of you need to begin making plans right now, talking with family and friends to determine if you can't pay your mortgage and you can't pay your rent, where will you move? Will you live in your car? Many will have to live in their car. Many will lose their cars and be in a tent. Some will just be on the streets. And hunger and famine will stalk the land of America. Are you prepared for this? 
Are you putting your confidence and your trust that Jesus is going to come in a great secret rapture and take you out of here so you're not making any plans? I think back the history, 1844, October 22nd. There was in America a great Millerite movement where they were expecting Jesus to come. They sold their farms. They gave away all of their earthly goods. And they went and gathered in prayer on mountaintops, on hills, looking into the sky because they knew that Jesus was coming on October 22nd. 1822. He didn't come. He didn't come. What are you going to do if you believe that there is going to be a secret rapture of the church and you are not prepared for recognizing that you misunderstood the scriptures and Jesus did not take you home? What will you do then? The great and terrible day of the Lord is now breaking upon us. Let me read for you a passage from John, the revelator in Revelation 16, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, that is, the devil, out of the mouth of the beast that came up out of the sea, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle of the great day of the Lord. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together, that is, the demon powers, to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon, where the final battle before the millennium takes place, and they're all destroyed by the fire of God. Remember, this is a transition time between the power of the human being in his earthly governments and satanic and demonic powers and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, we know who wins. We've read the scriptures. And the scriptures say, Come out of her, my people, so that you may not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven. And God has remembered her crimes. We're called out. Now, I won't argue. Some would say that says that we're still here. Someone's still here who loves Jesus. Some claim that that's just Jewish people 
I don't know. I know I'm not going to add to or take away from the book of Revelation lest the curse of God fall upon me. I'm not going to pretend to know something I don't know. But I am going to tell you very honestly as I read this wonderful book of Revelation, there is coming the final judgment. And if you have trusted in the false words of false prophets, assuring you that you are saved eternally in the midst of your sin, you will be lost. Revelation 19, verse 20, But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. That's what's going to happen. That's not a parable. That's literally what we're going to see take place. Now, I want to go to a story in the Old Testament. It's important that we do this. It gives us a very clear understanding. I want to say to you, you don't wake up one morning and have strong faith in Jesus Christ. I've spent all of my life serving Jesus. I've spent these past years in very trying and difficult circumstances. And through those very trying and difficult circumstances, I have learned to trust utterly in Jesus. I woke up this morning early, and as I awakened, I began to praise God, saying, O Lord God of heaven, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I totally trust in you for this day. I have no agenda for this day except to serve and honor the name of Jesus Christ. Many of you cannot say that. I said, Jesus, I thank you and I praise you that I am totally dependent upon you for food and shelter and transportation. And if, perchance, I'm not able to continue paying rent, it's okay. Or if, perchance, by your design, I'm no longer able to pay for the radio broadcast, it's all right. I am here only to serve you, Jesus, and to bring as many as I possibly can to a place of repentance and honesty and service to you. And those of you who can say the same thing that I've just said, I love you as my brother and my sister. We don't come to this quickly. It takes time. It takes testings. So in the book of Daniel, 
He's probably 13 or 14 years old. He's a part of the royal family. He's captured by Nebuchadnezzar's men. Probably his head was shaved. Maybe his whole body. He was put in chains and started the long walk to Babylon. A prisoner, a slave. When they arrived there, they were sorted out. And Daniel, with three of his friends, were sent to school for three years of intense higher education. Now, the first decision Daniel made, chapter 1, verse 8 of Daniel, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. The first decision we make on this path that will cause the Lord God of heaven to rescue us from this terrible, this great and terrible day of the Lord is an absolute determination in our heart not to defile ourselves with the pagan elements of our culture. We turn aside from the wicked sporting events of our day. We turn aside from the wicked music of the day. We turn aside from the wicked television of our day. We don't go to the YouTube videos. We give up the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we say, I will not give myself to defile myself with the life of this pagan culture. We come out. We separate ourselves from it. Now he made arrangements with the servants of the king to have only vegetables and water. And after 10 days, they looked better than any of the other slaves that had been taken into the school. And then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has a dream. Daniel has finished his schooling. He's graduated. I don't know how old he was, 16, 17. He's now considered a wise man because he understands their art and their skills. Now the king has a dream. He calls for all of the wise men to come and interpret it, the astrologers. He asks them to tell him the dream and the meaning of it. And the astrologers answer the king, there's not a man on the earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Well, the king became very angry at this. And he said, execute all of these wise men. And Daniel was one of the wise men. And so they came looking for he and his friends. Daniel asked for time. He said, I can give the king his interpretation. I just need some time. He was granted a short period of time. 
Daniel returned to his living quarters. He explained this matter to Hananiah, Moshel, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, do you understand? He has said, I will not defile myself with the world. Secondly, as the world comes against him to execute him, he cries out to God. He cries out to God. There are some things that only God can answer. And he's asking for a meeting with God. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. He had the same dream. He was given the interpretation of it. He said, In the morning, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changed times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Now, please understand. We have entered into the great and terrible day of the Lord, and you are going to be forced into a position. It may be forced out of your home because you can't pay the mortgage. It may be no food and you're hungry. I don't know what will happen with you. A loss of jobs a loss of health. At this point, instead of going back to the world for human wisdom, Daniel's model is, now go to the God of heaven. Your life is on the line. And ask him to help you understand and know what to do. The only way possible you or I are going to make it through this great and terrible day of the Lord is to know how to reach out in the prayer closet and hear from God. Many of you have said to me, Pastor, God doesn't talk to me. How do you hear from God? Well, you hear from God by making a vow that you will no longer in any manner Pollute your body with the things of this world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You cut off the world. One of the things the Lord asked me to do when I get in the car to not listen to the news, when I get in the car to ride in peace and talk with Jesus, and that's what I do. It's a place of abiding, John 15 In the early morning hours, I have a set time when I must come into the prayer closet. It's a place of abiding, and I stay there until I'm released by the Holy Spirit. I don't go in and quickly leaf through somebody's shallow devotional book. Are you kidding me? 
I go to the scriptures and I cry out to God. If you're not doing these things, you'll never hear from God. There's a man right now, a dear man. His job demands that he be on his feet six, seven, eight hours a day. But his knee, there's no cartilage in one knee. He's wearing a brace on it. He's in great pain. I said to him, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to hang on for a year and then I'm going to have an artificial knee put in. I said, have you prayed? No, God doesn't talk to me. Well, I know why. I've asked him in the past, are you clean with God or are you still walking in sin? He said, no, I'm still walking in sin. How long, brother, are you going to walk in that sin before you repent and turn to Jesus? He had no answer. Daniel goes to the king, and the king says, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? I mean, get the picture. The king, the greatest king in the world, is sitting on the throne. And this young man is standing before him. Daniel answers, no wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner can explain to the king the mystery he's asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and your visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. And he began to describe the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had had. You can see King Nebuchadnezzar's face beginning to light up because this young man is telling him his dream and he had no way of knowing that except by the mighty hand of God. You're going to need to know things soon that can only be known by the mighty hand of God. Your survival in this great and terrible day of the Lord is going to be based on whether or not God speaks to you and gives you the wisdom to know where to live, how to make preparation, who to reach out to, what to do with the resources you have. As one man said, take the little bit you have, buy some camping gear and buy a tent. You may be in the woods for a while. I don't know. Many people in the world are already living in tents. Many people in America are already out in the woods, unemployed. Hungry. You think you're different than they are? You need to hear from God. You will not hear from God if you're walking in known sin and rebellion before Him. Now is not the time for cheap, greasy grace. Grace never covers 
sin. Grace enables us to live a righteous life before God by the blood of Jesus. We're going to talk about grace this week. The dream, there was an enormous, dazzling statue that stood before Nebuchadnezzar. It was awesome in appearance. It was a giant, nine feet tall. Was it nine or 90 feet tall? No, 90 feet tall. The head of the statue was made of pure gold. Chest and arms were made of silver. The belly and the thighs of bronze. The legs of iron. Its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. And while they were, while you were watching it, O king, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, The bronze, the silver, the gold were broken to pieces at that same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Do you understand? King Nebuchadnezzar has seen the whole history of the world. He has seen the human empires. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and now the feet of iron and clay, America, Russia, China, and many nations that are not iron but are clay. Fragile can be broken. And the God of heaven, it says, is going to set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. The rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. The king climbed off his throne and fell on his face in worship before Daniel. He paid him honor and he ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. He said, surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you are able to reveal this mystery. This is the great king who was the capture, the destroyer of Jerusalem, the burner of the temple. He held in his hands the entire known world. And here he is kneeling down because because he wanted to know the meaning of his dream. King Nebuchadnezzar, that utterly evil and wicked king, has just seen the history 
of the human race from Babylon all the way through to our time. Now we are entering the time when that rock has been cut out and is on its way to smash the entire human system as we know it. And in that smashing, there is going to be utter devastation. There are going to be earthquakes that will crack the earth open. The cisterns of the earth, the the great oceans of water fresh under the surface, As the earthquakes happen, they're going to be broken up. Even today, they're being broken up. And as that water soaks down into the molten, fiery lava, we're going to see explosions. We're already seeing them. Volcanoes are going to go off. We're going to see such a time of horror and terror and destruction on the earth. You are not going back to your normal American life. It's not going to happen. We are entering into the great and terrible day of the Lord when human history is going to be utterly changed. The kingdoms of this earth are going to be all destroyed and the kingdom of Jesus Christ is going to be set up on the earth. Now, in chapter 3 of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar shows his true heart. Instead of building an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, he builds that image and covers it with gold. Bottom line, he's saying, look, I'm the king. And I'm always going to be the king. And I'm in charge. And I always will be in charge. That's what all human governments say. But a time of judgment comes and God destroys those nations. He destroyed Babylon. He destroyed Medo-Persia. He destroyed Greece. Read the stories in the latter part of Daniel. He destroyed Rome. And now we have such pride in our feet of clay and iron. We think we're somebody. The judgment of God is now upon us. So he calls for the worship of this great image to himself. And he says to all the peoples and nations and men that have gathered, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. The time is coming when you will bow down to this world government, this antichrist government, or you will be killed. You will take the mark of the beast so that your family can survive, or you will starve to death. Or you will know how to reach the throne of God, and you will do what he tells you to do, and you will be under the wing of the Almighty God, under the sheltering wing 
under the Pesach of God. When the people heard the sound of the horn and the flute, all the people, nations of every language, fell down and worshipped the image of the gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Today we fall down and worship and we put on our mask, even though it's scientifically evident that it does no good. But as a, a sign that we're in subservience, we wear our masks. That's just the first part of the training to take the mark of the beast. I'm not telling you not to wear the mask. I wear the mask when I am going into a place where I know they'll be upset if I don't. Now, Daniel is not in this story. I don't know where he is. Evidently, the king was ashamed to have Daniel know what he had done, and so he sent him somewhere on an errand, somewhere in the world. He may have been on a ship traveling. I don't know where he was, but he was out of touch. He had no cell phone and no computer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, however, were there. They were key leaders in the province of Babylon. And they would not bow down. And the report came to the king, O king, these men neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. And Nebuchadnezzar is offended. He is angry. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you're ready, fall down and worship the image I made. Very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. There it is. It's on the line. You either worship the financial system of the world or they're going to kill you. That's what they say. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I am God. That's what the beast is going to say. That's what the false prophet is going to say. That's what the dragon says. It's all about money. You have to do what the world says you have to do to survive. That's what they say. Now I want you to listen carefully to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's answer to the king. I want you to hear this answer because it's the same answer you and I must have today in this beginning of the great and terrible day of the Lord. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I want you to hear that. There is only one safe position for you and for me to hold in this beginning of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And that position is 
I am going to serve the Lord God of heaven. I am not going to sin against him. Let me read it for you. Romans 6. Therefore, sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. You must not yield your members as instruments of of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Grace is not a covering for sin. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. What then, shall we sin even once hereafter? And you want to tell me you're sinning every day? And you're going to sin every day until you enter the kingdom of God? You'll never enter the kingdom of God sinning. Our answer must be the same answer that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Look, God has made us promises. Now, whether he made us promises that we understand. And he may not rescue us. We may die. But we will not bow down to your golden idol. We will not take your mark of the beast. We will not listen to the seducing words that say, you must do what a man has to do. No, you must do what the mighty God of heaven says you must do. Look, let's not be sentimental. The reality is we have come to the end of the world system under human governance, and we are going to be moving into a whole new way of governance by the mighty hand of God. He's going to pour out his wrath on human government, and he is finally going to cast that stone upon it. It is going to be utterly destroyed. America will no longer exist. China no longer exists. Russia no longer exists. No kingdom will withstand the mighty word of the Almighty God. Jesus will come, and he will rule the earth with an iron rod for 1,000 years, called the millennium. The problem is making the transition from where we are now into the millennium. And that basically will be a seven-year period of time. And it's going to be horrendous. The first three and a half years, not so bad, but bad. The last three and a half years, hell on earth. Because God is dealing with the wickedness of the human heart. He's he's dealing with the human systems. And he's going to destroy them. And some of us are going to die in the process. And I can tell you now, I have determined in my heart, if I die, I will die serving Jesus Christ. I will not bend to the golden idol. I will not bow down and worship the world's system. I will not be a part of the world, the flesh, or the devil. He can come and bring his miracles. He can come and say, you don't understand who Jesus was. He wasn't God. Every lie is going to come. 
I am going to stand solid, and I am going to believe the word of the living God. I don't care what my eyes see or my ears hear. I'm going to believe the living word of God, and I'm going to trust that this whole human system, with all of its evil, with all of its pain and suffering, with all of its destruction, is simply passing. that I could see the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Do you understand, when this happens, America's gone. Russia's gone. China's gone. Europe is gone. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. My brother, my sister, decide now what your fate is going to be. Are you going to walk halfway with one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of the world? Then you will one day be cast out of the kingdom of God. You must make a decision. You must put your weight down either for the world, the flesh, and the devil. Or you must put your weight down with Jesus Christ, and though you perish, you will trust him. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Because it says that, I know that we are going to shed many tears in the coming days and months. There will be no more death. That tells me we're going to go at a time of great dying. Or mourning. Or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The old order of things is death and sadness, crying and pain. I'm putting my confidence in the kingdom of God that's coming. That even now we are experiencing the birth pangs of the coming kingdom of the Almighty God. Oh, my brother, my sister. The word says it is done. What's done? the salvation plan to destroy the works of the devil in the lives of as many as were willing to submit to Jesus Christ, to as many as were willing to be converted and transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. Do you notice? Only those who overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil will enter in. If you're still walking in rebellion against God, if you're still walking with the golden idol, 
if you're still walking with the image of the beast, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the ones who are afraid to make the decision to break with the world, the flesh, and the devil and go with Jesus, the unbelieving, the vile, the murders, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bulls of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. My brother, my sister, that's our home. We are to be the bride of Christ. But you've got to make decisions about whether or not you will actually be willing to leave behind. Jesus is coming We have entered the great and terrible day of the Lord. But you must make decisions and choices now while you still can. Will you make the decision to belong to Jesus, not with just some sentimental sweet word, but in deed and in action, will you lay it on the line like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and will you say, even if I perish, I will not bow down to the golden idol. I will not bow down to the almighty dollar. I will not bow down to the powers of any government that calls for me to disobey the Lord God of heaven. I belong to the Lord. And I will not turn aside to the left or the right. Well, we're out of time for today. We're going to continue this tomorrow. I'm going to speak specifically about the action you must take if you're going to survive the great and terrible day of the Lord. Would you, on the video, the YouTube, would you subscribe to our channel? And would you go to the donate button at the top right-hand corner? We've got to pay for this month's radio with WAVA. Would you be willing to help? I thank Gloria and Daniel, David, and the many others who are giving. Thank each one of you. Go to that place at the upper right corner of nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. Or you can write to me. I'd love to hear you. I'd love to be encouraged by your words of faith in Jesus can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I'm praying for you. Have great courage. Make the decision. 
you will not bow down. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. If you're in HR,